welcome back to Broken Rice Podcast. We're here at episode four. I'm Poochery. And I'm Alvis. And it has been a while, <laughs> really as has. usual. I know. It's been like, what, two months? I think March? Yeah. But that's okay. We're here. We're queer. I'm queer. <laughs> I know. Speaking and... of, last month, we were supposed to do a bunch oh, of yeah. like, we had ideas yeah. and they were great. And then we just got distracted with life. Right. Yeah. So, look, what is it? Happy Pride Month. Happy PTSD Awareness Month. Uh, happy Asian American Heritage Month. Yeah. What else? Literally everything else that we missed. But anyway, yeah. How are you doing, Poochery? I, I feel like we haven't even talked in a while. I mean, I called you the other day, but then like other people yeah. picked up the phone. Yeah. Um, I've been better. Um, I think it's been a slower month for work, especially because I think the last time we spoke with Jess, it was a lot about work and how it's been really fucking us up. But Mm -hmm. I think work has been a lot better. Um, I think I'm in a healthier place in terms of mental and physical. I feel I've been feeling like this is my hot girl summer. Like, you know, I'm feeling good about myself. Honestly, I was going to say this offline, but I, I wanted to say it on the podcast. You're glowing. Like, you look, you, like, you remember when you used to say this to me? You're like, oh, you look happy. Like, this mm-hmm. is, it's you now. <laughs> I know. No, honestly, I feel that way so much. Like, it's crazy because I, I don't know. Maybe it's, I got, okay. I just did my hair recently and I think it might be that. <laughs> I mean, your hair looks really good. It really does make your skin look amazing. But you look generally way happier than you were when you were living with your parents. <laughs> oh, uh, sorry, mom and dad. But yes, I agree. I 100% agree. Um, yeah. But how have you been? <laughs> oh my gosh, yeah. So, I mean, we didn't get to talk about this too much because I was just talking to, you know, Mati and Mia about it. But Honestly, it's been really fucking rough. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't even really know where to begin, which like, I'm not going to get super into it. But, you know, work has been super hard. Like, Wisconsin feels fucking oppressive. Um, mm. I can, like, like I, this is, like, a familiar feeling for you, too. But, like, you you know when you're starting a depressive episode. Oh, like, yes. Like, things always feel, like, uh, you feel a lot less, mm-hmm. I, I should say. And things look a little gray and you find a, a hard time, like, finding contentment and happiness and, like, regular things. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just feel, like, panicked all the time. And I just feel like I'm being chased, which I mentioned before. Mm. But now it's just, like, every single day. Oh, that's rough. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's, it's been really hard. And it's funny because both of my parents called me yesterday. First of all, they never call me on a Saturday. My dad will uh-huh. call me like once or twice a week on every Sunday. But mm-hmm. my mom called me to just like, she was asking me about like random things about Amazon. <laughs> and uh-huh. then, um, but she never calls me. So I thought that was unusual. And then my dad called me literally an hour later to just to see how I was doing. And he said something like, yeah, like, you know, finish out the year, maybe move back home, maybe move somewhere else. And he's saying, it's probably really lonely there, huh? It's like, oh. It's like, how do they know? know? (laughs) It's parents into Wishland. Yeah, because this is literally like the roughest patch of my, you know, Midwest experience right now. Mm -hmm. And they just knew to call me. And I really appreciate that, even though. Like, I'm, I get kind of annoyed when my parents call me sometimes because, like, they'll be nagging me or whatever. But this felt yeah. very genuine. And I was like, oh, they can feel it in their bones. Yeah, they can. Yeah, they definitely can. Yeah. So how did so, it make you feel after? Like, were you like, oh, that was nice? Uh, 
Well, yeah, it made me feel good because, like, so the thing that happens when I start to enter these episodes is, like, I have to really, like, reground myself and recenter mm-hmm. myself and be very intentional with all my time. So, yeah. obviously, when I called you the other day, uh, like, that felt really good to talk to people that I love and mm-hmm. to know that I'm cared for even, like, all the way over here. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I'll, I'll do things to, like, connect myself with, like, my sensory experiences, like, listen to music or go to the gym or, you know, sing and dance and whatever. I took a dance yeah. class the other day. Oh, <laughs> um, wait, seriously? Like, a public weird. dance class in Wisconsin? <laughs> yeah, it was so wow. fucking weird. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Is... Alvis 2018 coming back with his dance No, no, I don't think so. It was just for fun. (laughs) But um, anyway, yeah, it felt really good. And it it feels good to be connected with people again. So I don't know. I'm just like really missing home, I guess. Home. How was your trip back home? (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, I spent like 10 days back home just because like it was Mm -hmm. post-vaccination. And... I, like, really needed to take some time off. So, um, yeah, I went back. It was the first trip that I did post-pandemic and whatever. And it was really nice because – so, like, also just for context, um, <laughs> like, today we kind of wanted to talk about, like, what does it feel like to be at home and what mm-hmm. does it feel like to to feel at home with, with people and, like, and building those relationships. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that when I went, I'm just kind of realizing, like, wow, I really left all of this behind. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's not it's not that I left it behind but it's like this is my support system you know like this mm-hmm. is my family not only like my actual biological family but this is also my chosen family yeah so it was really nice because I felt very safe I felt very comfortable mm-hmm. um even like just going and running errands like <laughs> when we went to Nordstrom Rack together yeah. <laughs> I was like oh my god like people are minding their own fucking business here <laughs> Because when I go to fucking Nordstrom Rack in Wisconsin, everyone's always fucking looking at me. <laughs> like I'm an alien. It is so weird. But, you know, we went to Nordstrom Rack. I looked at, you know, jewelries. We were looking at swimsuits and stuff. And it was very comfortable. Yeah. So, yeah, I guess like my idea of home feels like like the who I'm supposed to be like without a filter. It feels like being like loved and supported and like surrounded mm-hmm. by you know, people who see me. So yeah, it was really great. For sure. and then me I, like, and Mati wanted to keep Alvis all week, but he was too fucking busy. <laughs> I know. I, I saw y'all more than some other people. I didn't even see some people because I'm fake as hell. <laughs> Remember when I was like, uh, I would rather see you like three times than see this person one time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> fucking shitty. I know. We were sitting at a Chinese restaurant trying to figure out how he, would, he was going to finesse seeing us more, more times than he really should have. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it was really great. But yeah, I mean, that's kind of just like my idea of home. But like, I'm kind of interested to know what yours is, because I know that you're like, more rooted in the DMV mm-hmm. area. And I know you don't want to move. And you know, what does oh, that mean yeah. to you? I think a home for me is just where, like you, I think where my support system lies. Um, I'm so comfortable with being surrounded by so many people all the time. Like, you know, my old house, like it's like a full house all the time. And so I remember moving with me and Mati. That's like my first time. Like I didn't even go off to college. Like I stayed locally. I stayed home. I saved money. And so like me and Mati moving out of my parents' house was like the first time I was making those steps. And I remember being super, super, super 
nervous. But yeah, obviously I was excited, but like still super nervous because I was so used to a loud house. Like that was comfort to me. Like even though it's annoying when I am home alone and there's nothing or like knowing like I remember this one time, the start of my depressive episode in back in 2012 was um, my parents were on vacation. Um, Mati and Pucha were on a um, trip to California. And so I was by myself. And I, like, it scared me knowing nobody was coming home because mm. I was like, oh, my gosh, it's going to be quiet and it's going to be scary. And mm-hmm. so I remember being in that depressive episode, like, holy shit, I'm by myself. I'm lonely. And, like, mm-hmm. that's scary. And mm-hmm. so moving in this stage of my life, I thought it was going to be kind of the same. But mm-hmm. obviously my husband is with me. Um, he feels like home to me, you know, anywhere that there is a support system, I think feels like home. Um, Mm -hmm. Knowing that my parents are only a few minutes away feels like home to me. Like I, I've always needed that comfort. I think it's just where it lies. And I think realizing too, um, I remember me and Mati were planning to move to a different state and that's what scared me so much. And knowing I had family over in California was like, okay, that's what I need. Like, I can't just pick up and leave to a city where I know nobody. No, I like, it's like, it's more so like taking safety precautions too. Like, I know how I am mentally. Like, I know who I am when I feel lonely or like when I feel like I'm seriously alone, even though Mm team might be next to me. And so Mm -hmm. I remember taking those into consideration where I was like, Okay, especially Mati, he was like, okay, I think SoCal would be the best because I have my cousins there who also, also, I think it's another thing where it's one thing where you know you have friends and family somewhere, but like knowing those friends and family in that place will also reciprocate your love back. I think that's also what feels like home to me and that Mm -hmm. California is the only place in the whole country besides maybe New York because my little cousin just moved there. But California is the only other place where I'm like, oh, my love is reciprocated there. And I know I can be unapologetically myself. Mm-hmm. And so and so I think for me, it all just depends on where my support lies. I think it's I think it's fairly similar to yours, except I yeah. feel like you can also be independent and like go to another city by yourself. Yeah. Yeah, it's so interesting because I feel all those things, but, like, obviously I'm more inclined to, like, move mm-hmm. anywhere. Mm-hmm. And I think the, the like, conflict, the inner conflict that I'm having with those ideas is, like, mm-hmm. there's part of me that feels like I'll never be at home with my parents especially, um, which, you know, is really sad, but I, especially with my, my what is it, my sexual identity, you mm-hmm. know, like, there's parts of me that I feel like I'll always have to hide. So me moving away was also me finding home within myself, like being able to be in this space, be unapologetic, be, you know, completely free. But Mm. I didn't realize that I needed like other people to share that freedom with. Mm. So it's weird because yes, I wanted to live alone. Yes, I wanted to be away from my parents. But, you know, yes, I also have family back home, whatever. But I guess the, the question that I have for you and myself is like, are we willing to build new relationships and build new homes in other places? Oh my God. What a loaded question. Yeah, I know. I don't know. I think, I think it stems from my insecurities. Like my answer, I think it's like, Mm -hmm. I feel like I'm a lot to handle, but then again, like I know that I'm not, 
You know, it's like it's like one of those things where it's like I I don't I don't know just because I don't I don't know if I think what it is ever since I was younger I cared extra for people who didn't really care that much for me. And so I've gotten so much trauma from that where I'm like, "Oh, we're friends. Like I'm I'm your friend." But then they're like, "We're not friends." And which is fine, you know, mm-hmm. or like we're not friends like that, which is totally fine. But like it took me so long to accept that that's that, you know, relationships and friendships are so different from other people. And mm-hmm. I think I'm still so traumatized about that just because I I invest a lot. Once I think that you're a cool person and I want to be your friend, I, I will invest in you, whether it's yeah. like my emotions or even my money sometimes or whatever it may be. Like I will invest in a friendship. And I think that I was too loose in that when I was younger where I was like, mm-hmm. I will be everyone's friend and I will invest in everyone that mm-hmm. it really bit me in the ass. Um, because now I am so traumatized and so insecure and so paranoid that like, I don't even know if I'm willing to make new friendships just because I'm so scared that that will happen. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, how is it for you? I don't, I don't know. Maybe (laughs) you're more inclined. Cause like you're, I feel like you're, it's so much easier for you to like, like, I think you want to make new friendships. (laughs) versus me like i don't want to because i'm scared um so wow there's there's a lot going into this too i totally agree i think that like it's totally valid to say that you like built something like Mm -hmm. like built the support system and it took years and it took like Mm -hmm. trust and it took so many experiences to go through with these people where it's kind of like well why would i do that again when i already have it right here yeah um but oh my I god yes say, yeah it's, it's work you know yeah. and, it, it, and some people want to do more of it and some people don't and like either way is fine mm-hmm. but um yeah like I I am obviously like wherever I go I want to build community and I want to build support systems and stuff like that and you know slowly finding out that that may or may not happen in Wisconsin mm-hmm. uh, just because of the nature of like the demographic here but you know I um <laughs> speaking of which I decided that I'm not going to have straight friends anymore. <laughs> oh, good for you. <laughs> because like you said, like being able to be understood and being able mm-hmm. to, you know, like connect with people like that. Like I don't want to put in that work if it's going to feel like super hard and like super overwhelming, you know. Yeah. So like I guess like the reason why I say that too is like, Sometimes when I'm building new relationships with relationships with like cis straight mm-hmm. people, I find myself like explaining to them about my experiences more than you know them just mm-hmm. understanding it. We could just go like to the club, <laughs> you know. <laughs> like I would rather you like get me and then we go to the club. We don't have to yeah. talk about it. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I, I, mean, I that's a journey in and of itself, though. Yeah. And like, I, I feel like I do that with my friends now, you know, and mm-hmm. I'm just like, okay, there's like a lot of explaining that I have to do with some of my friends now. So it's just like, well, like moving forward, like I would like to like align more with people who already like get me and are, are there, you know? Yeah. Oh my God. I'm a hundred percent with you. I feel like in the beginning of my college years back in like what, 2011, 2012, like I didn't care who I was friends with as long as I had friends. 
Yeah, then, but that's so tiring. Yeah, and then now looking back, I'm like, wow, none of you – or, like, not none of you, but, like, a lot of you don't align with my morals and values, which is, like, fine. But I also yeah. just, like, don't want to waste my time on that Right, because you also, like, feel trapped to a certain yeah. point. Because it's like, oh, we've been friends for this long, but, like – Yeah. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah. Yes. Not like I'm – sorry, disclaimer. Not saying that I feel that way about any of my friends right now. Yeah. But it's kind of like when I meet new people, I was like, oh, I don't want to get too close to this guy because – Yeah, <laughs> because you already did a lot of that work before. Yeah. You know? And, and like, also, you, that's you not – go through that. Right, and that's not work that I have to do. That's yeah. work that you have to do. Like, am I gonna be? Am I gonna facilitate it? Like, I guess, mm-hmm. but do I want to? No. Mm-hmm. Oh <laughs> so, yes. Yeah, but um, like speaking of building, um, so recently my friend Kevin visited me. He's like one of my closest friends. Like, mm-hmm. I consider him my brother. Like, definitely a part of my chosen family. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was explaining to me that like what I had built back home was, like, really amazing. And mm-hmm. I was like, I don't know what you're talking about. Like, it's just – those are just my friends, you know? Yeah, yeah. And he was like, no, because w- – so when I turned – what was it? When I was 25, I, um, like, held this, like, lake house birthday party thing for, like, you know, me and oh, my friends. Oh, yes. I was um, Yeah. And <laughs> it was, like, really amazing. And, like, yeah, I was, like, smacked the whole time. But <laughs> – I, I remember it being like really emotional and like really wholesome. Mm-hmm. Um, and he had been coming in from Arizona and he surprised me. And obviously Deb surprised me too, which was amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, Kevin was saying like, have, he felt like an outsider looking in. He was like, wow, like this thing that you have here, like this, the amount of love that you have in your life and this like system that you have, like is like one of the most beautiful things that I've ever seen. Yeah. And I'm like, what do you mean? <laughs> and because I really wasn't getting it. And he yeah. was like, you know, this is your Sistine Chapel. Like you worked on this so hard to have all these people to love all these people and have them love you. And that only comes like once in a lifetime. Like that doesn't oh, yeah. happen everywhere. And I like really sat there and I thought about it. I was like, damn. And I left all that behind. <laughs> Period. But you know how sad we were. <laughs> I don't think I realized, and I, I need to stop saying I left it behind because I know I still have it. You yeah, know? you're just it's not just, physically. You physically left it behind. Yeah, exactly. But I, I really have to take into consideration that like building community and like not even community, but building love and friendship and family is mm-hmm. super important, super hard. Like I don't think I realized how much. I pour into my relationships until he said that. Because to me, it's just like, well, you're just supposed to love everybody Mm -hmm. like as as much as you can. But I'm also realizing that people, one, don't want to do that or two, like are incapable of, you know, Mm -hmm. there's a lot of like uh, barriers and boundaries there. So. (sighs) Life. Yeah. (laughs) I I think like the next thing that I kind of want to talk about here is like, the idea of chosen family and like why it matters to me so like i don't know actually let me hear what you feel about that first about chosen family feel, yeah or if you feel like you even have that or yeah oh totally i feel like i yeah. i completely have a chosen family and they're yeah. the tight-knit close friends that i definitely have you know mm-hmm. um I, I i think it's interesting because 
I got I, I don't say this in like the most offensive way, but I do realize a lot of people around me, they don't have close close friends. Like they don't have a tight knit friendship with other people. Like it's really hard for them to make those friends. And um I mean, it's not a it's not a bad thing either, you know. Like, I, I get it too. Um, so I, uh, sorry, so so sorry to my friends who are listening, and they and they feel like this is about you. I don't mean it to be like that. <laughs> but um, I think what it is is just yeah. I, I I sometimes I take for granted like the the support that I have around me, just because it's mm-hmm. always around me. And mm-hmm. I I think I think too in my head, I'm like, if I'm gonna love you, I'm gonna love you all the way, and I just. Like that, it doesn't like it doesn't cross my mind to like think of it any other way, you know. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I think. I mean, like as much as I have a close relationship with my parents, it's it's definitely different, you know. Obviously, mm-hmm. like I'm, <laughs> I feel like my mom is gonna listen to this and she's gonna be like, "What? I thought you told me everything." I don't tell my parents everything. <laughs> <laughs> And like I think that's I think that's normal for a lot of people, you know. I don't tell my yeah, parents everything, and like, and like I, I there are some things where I can't really trust my parents with, and that's just I think that's just life. And so, um, yeah, I think I think it's important to have a chosen family. I think it's really important to build a support system and invest in it in order to be able to have people to lean on, especially when you're going through a hard time. Like yeah. when I was going through, especially okay. Listen, you guys don't – I mean, you all don't understand how much I bothered Alvis in December. I literally called him every single day, and that was, like, the worst depressive episode I've had in, like, a really long time, maybe in, like, even 10 years. And for him to reassure me that, you know, like, you – that you were like, Poochie, this is, this is what I'm going to do for you. Like mm-hmm. this is this is there's no questions asked that you can call me however many times mm-hmm. and it's never gonna annoy me because like this is what I will do for you mm-hmm. like that in and of itself like I was already feeling really insecure about having to bother you every single day but having that reassurance like knowing that that is what I have made mm-hmm. me realize how much I do probably take a lot of things for granted around me until that very moment where you said that and I was like this. This is what, this is, wow. <laughs> I, I was like, oh my gosh, I don't, I I need that. <laughs> like I yeah. need somebody to just listen to me and not question me. And I don't need yeah. to explain anything. And like you just understood that. Mm-hmm. And so I don't know where I was getting at. Did that answer your question? <laughs> no, it did. And I think it's really amazing that we are each other's chosen family. We're not just like talking about this to each other. Because yeah, yeah. <laughs> we, we understand like the the like intense intimacy, intense in a good way that we have mm-hmm. between each other to like fully understand it. But I guess that's the point of this conversation where it's like, what does that look like? Like, do some people not know what that looks like? And like, mm-hmm. how can we explain the value of it? And so I think like, the other thing I want to talk about is the idea that it's a choice, you know, yeah. like I'm choosing to love you unconditionally and love my other chosen family unconditionally. But mm-hmm. with your biological family, like that's not necessarily a choice, you know, yeah. like as as like shady as that sounds, it's not mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. you you have a certain obligation to your biological family. And obviously, like if it gets to a point where you have to like cut them off or whatever, then yeah, do so. But that's much mm-hmm. harder than cutting off like someone that you've met five years yeah. ago. You know? Yeah, for sure. And so 
Yeah, like the idea of why it matters, especially for queer people, is like there are so many things that like, well, okay, let me just put it in the context of my own life. Mm -hmm. Um, Like I know, and I had alluded to this earlier, that there are certain parts of me that my parents will never accept. Like Mm -hmm. not everybody knows this, but I'm not out to my parents yet. And Mm -hmm. there is like a certain level of like disappointments or like expectations not being met or, you know, something that I would have to endure. But the fact that I have a chosen family that I chose to love unconditionally and Mm -hmm. vice versa, like Mm -hmm. it's the safety net, you know, it's like it's knowing that whatever deficits that I may have in my biological family, like I have people there, like I will never Mm -hmm. feel like I'm at a loss. Mm-hmm. So that's why those relationships matter so much to me. And yeah. I feel like some people just don't need that because their yeah. their family structures are so amazing. You know, mm-hmm. they mm-hmm. do have parents where they support them like that. And they tell them everything like, you know, we, you know, we have our friends that are like, I told my fr- my mom the first time I had sex. You yeah. know? And I, I tell my mom that I do drugs. I was like, bitch, my mom would never. I know, <laughs> no. Oh, my gosh. One time, like a little antidote. But I was in high school and <laughs> I was friends with a lot of white people. And, like, they're mm-hmm. real honest with their, like, their parents. And I Yeah, I like, but, like, why? <laughs> yeah, and we were at the dinner table and she was talking about – like my friend was talking about her ex-boyfriend and like why she's so glad that like they're mm-hmm. not together anymore. And then she goes, and he wasn't even good in bed. We were 16. And then my her Wait. parents just Yeah, her parents just started Wait, laughing. Her parents were at the table. Yeah, her parents just started laughing. And I thought <laughs> I'm speechless. I said, I could never. <laughs> No, I and I don't never. want that shit. I, I do not want that. And like, this is something that I was talking to my therapist about too, um, where a part of me felt like, this is right before I moved, um, mm-hmm. felt like a lot of guilt because me and my parents, we don't like say I love you very often. We mm-hmm. don't hug. There's no like physical affection, whatever, which is fine. That's just how I grew up and what the culture of our family is like. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so... Um, I, I felt bad. I was like, how am I going to just, like, leave my parents behind and, like, not have built this this idea of, like, a, like how my relationship should be with them? Yeah. And my therapist was like, I hear the way that you talk about your parents, especially your mom, and you love her so much. Like, you love your parents so much, and it just yeah. doesn't look like the way that, you know, white people love their parents. Yeah. <laughs> like, you don't have to yes. tell them everything. You don't have to, like, talk about your sex life or, like, mm-hmm. have this, this type of conversations with them. She was like, you know, deep down in your heart that you really love your mom. And that's enough. I was like, oh, shit. You know, light bulbs going off. Yeah. No, I I 100% agree with that. I think that's that's a lot of misconception in a lot of people. Mm -hmm. Like, I agree. Even though I have a, a fairly good relationship with my parents, I used to also look back on like, you know, the cookie cutter family life. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. how come I don't have that? But at the end of the day, like I love my parents very much to the point where I I will move mountains for them if I can. And that's enough. You know, that's enough. And and like I guess what ways does that what what does that look like? You know, it doesn't Mm -hmm. look like for me, it was always like, oh well, 
my mom and dad never come to my band concerts or they've never actually seen me dance in real life and mm -hmm. whatever. And to other people, they're like, that's so sad. Like, you've been dancing for 11 years and they've never seen you dance. Yeah. I'm like, bitch, my parents are hustling and grinding for yeah. me so I can mm -hmm. have this life. And that is an act of love, you know, yeah, not just showing yeah. up. Yeah. Um, that is showing up, though, in other ways. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I guess, like, yeah, how does that, how does that show up in your life, like, outside of the, like, traditional ways of showing love or whatever? Um, okay, so unlike Alvis's family, unlike your family, I do hug <laughs> and say I love you. I think my parents have really taught me and my family to be super affectionate. Um, but yeah, I think what it is, um, it, it's, it's, yeah, it's that. It's my parents working hard and grinding. I remember at this, I don't know if this is even relatable, but this this moment is when I was like, oh my gosh, dad. It made me really sad because he was a delivery pizza guy for um, for a while. And the pizza place that he delivered for was, it was bussin'. It was, they had <laughs> such good pizza. And so <laughs> I Wait, had in Maryland? A, yeah, it's called m &M. Yeah, it's, yes, it's so good. And so <laughs> um, I had a picnic with my friends around that area that he like delivers at. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh my gosh, Aya, can you can you deliver? Like, I'll order and can you just deliver for us since you're working today? And he was like, Oh, I don't I don't want to do that. I don't want your I don't want your friends to see. And I and that like in my head, I'm like, I never thought of it that way. You know, like I always thought yeah. of it as like he's working for me. Like he's working to put money on the table for me and my brother and my mom, yeah. you know, and like we like to put a roof over our head. And mm. that that part just made me so sad. And like, I think, I think in a way that is them showing up, trying to save face to make us look good, no matter how in the background they're tr grinding and trying so hard to survive. And like Ugh. for him to feel that he's embarrassed to show up as a pizza delivery guy. I'm yeah. like, even though like at that moment, like I didn't care. It was like his way of being like, I don't want your friends to think that like, I don't <sighs> like, wow. and so it's like, it's like those things where I'm like, Oh my gosh, my parents do a lot for me to yeah. make me feel so like, even though they don't understand America and they don't understand the cultures and traditions, they try okay. so, so hard for me to feel as though I'm a part of this society and this world. Yeah. The you ironic know? part is now we're like, fuck America. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> do we have to censor that? Because the fans gonna... <laughs> give a fuck, fuck America. Jeez. <laughs> Oh my god. No, but that's so fucking heartbreaking. Like I mean, fuck America for thinking that immigrants have to do that to begin mm -hmm. with, you know. Yeah. And like I I just that shame, like the fact that it's like self-induced, but also mm -hmm. like thinking that you were going to be ashamed, but yeah. like and that's part of like the second generation immigrant experience too. Like whatever mm -hmm. pain and like shame and disappointment that our parents have like for themselves like we have a role in alleviating that as well like yeah. it goes both ways because like yeah maybe they feel that way about us and some of our decisions but mm -hmm. like it's because it's so like rooted in themselves that we have to like mm -hmm. understand and realize like oh like they're doing this because of whatever it might be survival or whatever yeah you know? <sighs> but yeah those are yeah i think that's that's 
my parents' way of showing up and support. I mean, my mom, she shows up to everything. I'm not going to lie. She's very overbearing, <laughs> micromanagement. It's, it's what we love about her. Right. Again. <laughs> you know? <laughs> again, that is an overwhelming act of love. Yeah. Know? Like, uh, and yeah. overwhelming is the key word. <laughs> because, yeah, the way that my mom shows up, it's just like when I'm living at home, because, like, you know, I was like four years. At, mm-hmm. at college and then came back and then like moved away and then came back and I keep moving away and coming back and whatever yeah, yeah. but um like whenever I'm home she's always texting me like every single night during dinner because she's mm-hmm. never around for dinner mm-hmm. um, which some people will think that's sad but she'll text me and be like oh like this is what's in the fridge eat this or I put money on the table for you to buy this mm-hmm. and Part of me, like, I used to get so pissed. I'm like, I literally texted her once. I was like, Mom, I'm not a baby. Like, you don't have to tell me what to eat every single night. I know it's on the table, you know? And also, like, I have my own money. It was Uh so, looking back, I didn't say it like that, but I did say I'm not a baby. Yeah. I just feel bad because, like, love, loving like that is all my mom knows. And Mm -hmm. she continues to do it, like, despite the fact that we get so fucking annoyed with her. Yeah. (laughs) And sometimes... So this episode is starting to become so such a bunch I know. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I, I think it's good to talk about it because I'm like really missing that right now. And yeah. I'm like, I wish my mom would text me and tell me what to eat. <laughs> oh yeah. I think it I think it's funny because I I think I saw your story the other day with Kevin and he like cut you up fruit. Yeah. And I'm like, oh my god, that is the Asian parents like way of showing love is to be like hey, yeah here's some fruit like i can't even count on my fingers how many times my mom has walked into my room with like cuts of mango and watermelon yeah. and strawberries you know <laughs> yeah it's so funny because looking back i had a cut of mango the other day and i didn't know how to do it <laughs> I, was I don't so know confused. how to cut a watermelon and that's my favorite fruit I, so I bought funny. a watermelon and i bring it to my mom's house for her to cut <laughs> See, that's love in the form of Fruit Ninja. (laughs) Because, yeah, like, the amount of times that my mom has cut up a mango for me versus me, like, obviously her, way more than me. And I just Mm -hmm. feel, like, at such a loss because that's the other thing. I only ever eat fruit when my mom gives it to me. Oh, my God, yes. I spend money on the cut-up, pre-cut-up fruit at, like, the grocery store. Because I'm like, oh, my God, I don't know how to cut up fruit. That's so funny. (laughs) Sorry. Just thinking about that time we went to, we went out to whatever club it was. And you (laughs) dropped your cut up watermelon all over the floor. (laughs) (laughs) Like in the hotel. (laughs) Wow, that was really tragic. I know. It was watermelon. I was so sad. (laughs) Yeah. Seriously. There, so the other thing about, like, Chosen Family too. So the way that your parents and your, like, biological family – sorry, just disclaimer before I get into this. My sisters are, like, my biggest supporters. Like, they are really amazing people, and I know they listen to this podcast, which is why I know they're my biggest supporters. Hi, Lita. Hi, Lisa. <laughs> so I don't want to be, like, shading them because they're probably going to be like, oh, my God, like, I'm his biological family. Like, yeah. I'm not talking about y'all. <laughs> I love them very much. Anyway, um, the way that, um, what am I trying to say? 
when you allow your biological family to hurt you, like mm-hmm. it's always forgiven, right? Oh yes. Like mm-hmm. I, I feel like we, my parents could hurt me like any which way, and I'll always love them and I'll always come back to them. It would have to mm-hmm. be like really bad mm-hmm. for me to want to cut them off. But mm-hmm. I think like. And, and this will be very relevant for you, too, is, like, choosing unconditional love It can kind of be a slippery slope. Oh, yes. <laughs> because <laughs> there are some people in my chosen family, um, which, like, I've, I had this conversation recently where I had to ask myself, like, why am I letting somebody that I'm choosing to have in my life hurt mm-hmm. me so much? And mm-hmm. why am I choosing to love you unconditionally when it really doesn't have to be that way? Yeah. You know? Like, that's why it means so much more when somebody who is in your your chosen family hurts you because mm-hmm. literally it's I'm choosing to let this happen with my parents that was not a choice mm-hmm. so I guess like I, I've like made this mistake so many times before you know and I I kind of want to touch on that but also I know you have a lot to say about that too <laughs> <laughs> Ooh. So I'll let you go first um so are we talking about like how it makes us feel I guess like well, that and also, like, <laughs> why do you think that that you have to do that? And also, like, where do you know where your boundaries are? You know, what yeah. conversations you need to have? Yeah, I think I'm not a confrontational person for the most part. Yeah. I'll talk a lot of shit and I'll be really feisty. But for the most part, if, like, I really love you and I really care for you, it's really hard for me to be like, hey, I don't like that, you know? So I remember back in the day um, – it was either like I cut you off completely or I just let let it let things happen. <laughs> like I, I cut you off with no explanation or I just oh, like no. let things happen. And so obviously it would be hurtful for the, the person on the other side. Like, why did you just cut me off? You know? Yeah. Or like, why didn't you tell me this all along? Like you could have just mentioned this to me and how I was hurting you and blah blah blah. Mm-hmm. Um Yeah, I think it's, like you said, it's such a slippery slope. I think Mm -hmm. what it is, it's like you care for these people so much. And that you – it also feels like you're – because you're investing so much and you're choosing to invest in so much, it's Mm -hmm. that you – at the end of the day, like I don't want to look stupid. Or like I don't want to feel as though like I made a bad decision in doing that. So it's Mm -hmm. either like I live with it. Or I just, like, cut you off completely and just be like, fuck you. And yeah. so, yeah, I think it's I think it's extra – I think – yeah. So, uh, yeah, I think it's just extra hurtful when these things happen. And so I, I rekindled a friendship recently with somebody mm-hmm. that I cut off with no explanation. Oh, um, shit. <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, after talking about it, I, I don't regret cutting her off. Like, the reasoning of why I did it, I don't regret cutting her off at all. But I do understand why she was hurt and why, you know, like, why she for a long time felt as though she lost her sister because we grew up together. And, you know, mm-hmm. like, why why it was hurtful for me to be like, bye, for all yeah. the years that we were friends. And mm-hmm. so when we were talking, I had told her, like, you know, at the time, I I think I was just, one, really fed up with a, a bunch of bullshit. I think I also was projecting. I'm also the type of person who's very tough love. And so if I don't like something, because I'm not confrontational, 
it's not that I'm passive, but I would just be really mean about it with mm-hmm. no like with no actual productive conversation. I would just bring it up being like mean about it. Like there's no like yeah. there's no conversation about it. There's no like me sitting down and being like, hey, this is not right. It's just I will be like, that's fucked up. And then just like leave it at that. Oh my god. <laughs> you know, it's like so- it's so funny that like it's it's two sides of the extreme and yeah. never in between. And I'm wondering yeah. why. Because I do that too. Because you know I've done that to so many oh, people. Yeah. <laughs> like it's it's so hard for me to even have those conversations because it's kind of like, well, you're never gonna get it. So Yeah. I think what it is Which is though, not true. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I think what it is though, I think it also just stems from my parents. <laughs> oh. Because of the fact that like Hey, it's like, it goes back to the whole, like, I chose to be friends with you, you know? Like, with my parents, like, I can't just be like, I don't like that. Because they'll never get it. Yeah. (laughs) Like, they'll actually never get it, you know? Versus, like, I think I'm just so ingrained in my head that people will never get it. That I'll just be like, fuck it. I'm just going to be mean about it. I'll be tough love about it because that's all I know. But like the people that like not with not realizing like the people around me are capable of listening to me. And so I'm in the same fucking boat. (laughs) (laughs) So I think what it is, it's like me having to learn. Where am I even getting at? What was the fucking question? I don't even know. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. I think what it is, is me trying to learn that not everyone are my parents. And I think it took me a really long time. I think that was the problem between me and Matisse's relationship mm-hmm. was that not everyone are my parents and that yeah. they are capable of hearing you and listening to yeah. you. And like, you don't have to be a bitch about everything. Yeah. It, it's hard because obviously like this goes into like the, uh, like attachment style theory, but like mm-hmm. your attachment style stems from your relationship with your parents. And like you mm-hmm. and I are, are have similar experiences where like we get so confused like we're like empathy like i don't know what that is yeah, <laughs> like, understanding yeah. and so uh-huh. when people do give that to us we're like oh my god mm-hmm. <laughs> like i didn't know that i was capable of having this kind of love in my life no shade mm-hmm. to our parents yeah you know? yeah and so i think going back to what we were saying before about like enduring a certain amount of pain is because we've we've found those things in other people that like we're not used to and feel very loved by those mm-hmm. character traits, we don't want to lose it. So we will mm-hmm. do everything in our power not to lose it, which means hurting ourselves or letting them hurt us mm-hmm. and not being confrontational, not um, like having those conversations. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Fuck. But like, but yeah. <laughs> but like, the moral of the story is like sometimes, most times, actually, mm-hmm. like these people already love you so much that if you were to tell them that they're hurting you, they'll do something about it. And I've yeah. had this conversation with many people recently too. Mm-hmm. And it honestly mm-hmm. shocks me. <laughs> yeah. And I think. I think this is contradicting from what I said earlier with the story about my dad and the pizza delivery guy stuff. But I think what it is, <laughs> because, my, okay, don't get me wrong. My parents are very empathetic, you know, like, mm-hmm. but I think in certain situations, a lot of the times it's me having to understand, oh, you know, they're not from here. They're not mm-hmm. like, so a lot of me having to, like me growing up, it was a lot of me being like, I need to understand my parents. I need to understand my parents. I need to be the one that's empathetic to the point where it like spills over to my, 
relationships with my friends where I'm like, that's my job yeah. <laughs> to be empathetic. Like, yeah. Like the responsibility of the relationship surviving feels like it's on you. And mm-hmm. that takes you being flexible. That takes you enduring the hurt like you do mm-hmm. with, you know, your family and stuff like that. But like mm-hmm. th- learning now, like in our, our big old age, like mm-hmm. the responsibility for the relationship that is on both people. Yeah. And like you need to express those things to your friends in order to keep having a like thriving relationship. Yeah. No, I totally I agree. Yeah. Shit. It took me until I was almost 28 to realize. I know because this is the conversations that I'm having with my friends now, like my long term friends. I'm like, wait, I actually don't like that. And I think that something needs to happen here. And that's the other thing. If it's not met with, you know, compassion and Mm -hmm. willingness to learn, then that's when you know it's time to cut it off. But you have to have Mm -hmm. that conversation first. (laughs) Like you can't just, I mean, cut it off. I don't know, Alvis. You are you are the queen of being like. like, I knew you were gonna say. Listen, it's called growth. I don't regret cutting these bitches off. You know who I'm talking about. (laughs) I don't regret that at all. But with the people who matter to me the most, the people who I do choose that call family, yes, Mm -hmm. those are conversations worth having. Okay, because bitch, you you all need to know. Alvis was the was the queen. Me and Mitchie would be scared. Me and used to be scared to tell Alvis how we this, these certain friends were making us feel because we knew he would just be like, <laughs> cut them off. <laughs> Stop. I mean, I still feel that way. It depends. It depends on the situation. But anyway, yeah. cut her off. I'm, it's just kidding. <laughs> I don't even know who I'm talking about. I know, <laughs> but yeah. Um, no, I agree with you. I think that, especially if you're investing in friendships, I think it's only it's, it's your due diligence to just be like, hey, have that conversation before making a decision whether you yeah. want to cut a person off or not. Yeah, but I, I will say so. The reason why that happened for me, and this happened for you too, actually, um, is like I wasn't careful with the unconditional love that I was giving to begin with. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, like those people receiving it never deserved me deserve us in that capacity Mm -hmm. so I think like the I I guess I want to touch on like the mistake that I made before where ooh, this comes up every episode in the dance community (laughs) (laughs) the literally our dance community episode is going to be such a shit show (laughs) but anyway um the I did that because when I was on my college dance team, like it was such a tight knit group of people that I like mm-hmm. had a relation, like such a serious relationship with each individual. And like my love for them was unconditional where mm-hmm. I tried to carry that over into my next dance team. Mm-hmm. And I just like felt like I was drowning, you know, mm-hmm. like I was putting mm-hmm. in so much like love and effort for all these people who didn't give a shit. Like some of them didn't even want to be there openly. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. back in the day when I <laughs> had done this before, I was like, well, if I give my unconditional love to these people, then, like, we'll have something really amazing here. Like, we will have actual community. Like, we don't have to be best friends. You don't have to do whatever. But the the idea is, like, I got you and you got me. Right. Um, And that was, like, part of the beginning of my depressive episode, Mm -hmm. you know? I was like, oh, shit. Like, I'm overexerting. I'm pouring from an empty cup. It's draining. don't give a shit. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I don't want to talk about your experience. (laughs) 
Okay. For those of you who don't have or who need the context, I personally am not a dancer. <laughs> it may seem like it the way I talk about it, but I'm not. But I've been in this community for a very, very long time um, as a supporter, as a sister, as a friend. Um, so I'm very much embedded in the community as much as any other dancer would. I would say so. Do you agree at all this? I don't know. I would um, say you are part of the community. I don't think that you're outside <laughs> of it, you know? Um, yeah. So I was in the community since what, like 2010. And I, I worked really hard to build a lot of the relationships and the friendships that I had. And, you know, I just realized that I don't even know where I'm getting at. I just realized that these people were not in it like you, like, you know, like overexerting your love and like being like, oh, this is a community. I think it was also because during the time of the beginning of my role in this community, it was during the time where I was going through my identity crisis, my cultural identity crisis. And so feeling as though, you know, I need to be surrounded by a lot of Asian Americans and things like that. But then it ended up just becoming toxic. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so, um, yeah. And then I just, I feel like I, just like you, I overexerted a lot of my love and my care to the point where I realized like, oh, these people don't care about me as much as I care about them. Like they don't care about making an actual community that, you know, that I got your back, you got mine. They just, to the point where the last three years, I all I had was anxiety attacks when I would show up to, you know, shows and to mm-hmm. parties and to gatherings. And individually, I don't think that – or, like, the people in the community individually, I don't really ha- necessarily have a problem with. I think it's, like, the collective whole where they scare the shit out of me. And mm-hmm. being in a room with a lot of them scared the shit out of me because I was so traumatized with – or I was traumatized and I was tired of mm-hmm. all the energy that I was giving and not having it reciprocate back. And like, yeah. I think it had to take me a while too to be like, Putri, these people also kind of don't owe you anything. And I think That's that was a too. lot. Yeah, I think that was a, a, a really hard thing to swallow. Being like, in my head, I was like, oh my God, I watched these people grow. I was there. And like, I, I thought I had really good friendships with them. But like, yeah, at the end of the day, I had to really accept the fact, the hard truth that like, they don't owe you anything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they really don't. Just because I give this love doesn't mean they need to reciprocate back as well. And I think yeah. for a long time, I had to really accept that. And I think that's what mm-hmm. fucked me up the most. <laughs> Yeah. And it's like the the thing that comes from this too, because I think that some people might be listening to this and being like, well, why did you do that to begin with? But yeah. it's like this this like misnomer of dance family. Mm-hmm. But it like don't fucking call it that if it's not gonna be a fucking family. Yeah. You know? Because family yes, means bitch. I will be, oh my god. Yeah, yes. Literally, I will be there for you till the end. I will drive you home when you're drunk. Like I will support you. I will like pay your not pay your bills, but <laughs> but you know, like help maybe you. pay your Uber, maybe. I don't know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but yeah, it is a misnomer because there was just like I just didn't get a sense of that at all. And, like, I don't think that we're fools who are thinking it because the support that comes from this kind of community, and I'm sure this exists elsewhere, too, Mm -hmm. this community, tennis community, whatever it may be, Mm -hmm. like, it's kind of, like, (laughs) 
the tennis like, community. Shout out to the yeah. tennis community. <laughs> whoever, the, whoever that is. Um, like, I think that, um, I don't know, like, I the the optics of it looks very supportive because mm-hmm. everyone's like, oh, like, you killed it. Like, we're supporting each other. You go to shows, you cheer each other on. Yeah. Um, and, like, you see each other all the time and, like, you build these relationships. But it's just, like, half of the time it's just clout chasing, you know. People yeah, are I didn't know if I should bring up that phrase because I'm like, are we too, like, millennial to say a Gen Z word? Is this <laughs> Is that a Gen Z word? I don't know. I don't know, but yeah, essentially it is clout chasing. It's, it's yeah. no family. There's no family in it. Because now you got these fucking, you know, Trump supporter ass people like, you know, Ooh. infiltrating these safe spaces. Ooh, that's the other that's, big thing. Oh no, <laughs> I'm getting, that's I'm getting tea. too into it. But like, <laughs> le- the, fine. This is the last thing I'm gonna fucking say about this, and then we can move on because <laughs> I'm getting heated. <laughs> okay, but okay. when people try to infiltrate this community, which mm-hmm. is mostly, you know, people of color, which is mostly mm-hmm. queer people, like, mm-hmm. and, and, like, utilize it for their own personal gain and for, mm-hmm. like, you know, being able to have, like, followers and shit and, like, be able mm-hmm. to have, like, the support for their, like, side hustles and whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, you cannot come in here and disrespect the culture, which is mm-hmm. Black culture, by the way. Let mm-hmm. me point that out. And, yes. and just, like, you know, take and take. Like, we have to all do our part in that particular aspect of it, but just in general, like mm-hmm. making people feel safe and, you know, just like making sure that we're, we're doing the right thing here not just fucking like catching these, this two-step, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, this was so off topic from what we were. Okay, I feel like it was, this was going to happen because yeah. every episode we were inching our way. I know. <laughs> um, but um, let's take a break, actually. Okay. All right. Welcome back, everybody. Sorry we got hype. <laughs> we need to take a break. <laughs> Clearly, that's been bubbling over for a while. But whatever. We're going to move on. <laughs> yeah, we needed that break. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, Poochie, I have a question for you. Mm-hmm. So, like, how do you feel about, like, having a friendship hierarchy? Like, I guess even beyond, like, having, like, best friends? Because you know how I feel about, like, that term in general. I guess, like, mm-hmm. how what does that mean for you? Like, how do you feel about it? Um, I used to think best friend meant how long we've known each other. Oh. Yeah, when I was younger, I would be like, oh, yeah, I've known her since, like, kindergarten, so we're best friends. Um, Obviously, that's changed. Mm -hmm. Um, But I used to think that up until, like, high school probably. And then college came, and um, that's when I started making, like, a lot of friends. And I was like, oh, my God, everyone's my best friend. And I would just, like, you know. Mm -hmm. And then, obviously, now, like, fast forward to now, I think what it is, it's, like, how I – rank them quote-unquote is Mm -hmm. just like how much love that they've given me and how much love I've given them and how Mm -hmm. much trust I have and how much trust they have in me I I think that's how I would quote-unquote rank Mm -hmm. how I would yeah how I'd rank my friendships Mm um obviously I I would love for everyone to be my best friend, but it's mm-hmm. just not realistic. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think the best friends I do have now are just people that I will literally trust with my life and that mm-hmm. I can also be unapologetically myself. Like mm-hmm. 
I I don't know. I like I see friendships where I'm like, do you guys even have like heart to hearts? Yeah. Do you all even <laughs> you like know? each other? Like yeah. It's like <laughs> it's like do you guys talk about serious things outside of just like surface level? And I, as, I think that's as straight men, <laughs> straight cis <laughs> men. <laughs> oh my god, that's what I'm saying. And so yeah, I think I think that's that's definitely how I would how I would consider my best friends. It's like those people that I I could literally trust with my life that I can be like, I'm in trouble. Can you help me at like three a.m.? Mm-hmm. And they'd be like, mm-hmm. absolutely. Yeah. And I would do the same for them back. Yeah. I mean, how would you? So, so yeah, you already know kind of how I feel about this because I. For some reason, maybe in like high school, college, like there was so much emphasis on like who's your best friend. Like I thought I was your best friend, you know, mm-hmm. and and there was like this like fight for like the top or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but like I I got to a point, especially when I started to come out in college, where I was like, well, I don't want there to be like this idea that like one's better than the other is just every relationship mm-hmm. is different. Like you were saying, like in what mm-hmm. capacity am I able to love this person and receive love back? I think is a really good way to put it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like I wouldn't put, I, I wanted all my friends to be my best friends. So that's when I started cutting bitches off. <laughs> I was like, well, they can't love me in this capacity. Like I have a really rich relationship with this person and this person is not like meeting these expectations for me the way that I know they could and in, mm-hmm. in my not meeting my needs. So that's when mm-hmm. I started Chop chop, you know. Yeah. Which like also isn't fair because like people don't necessarily have to add like so much value in your life in order to um mm. like exist in it. Um, yeah. which is something that I'm learning more now. Same um, here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I, I think there is like certain expectations set for certain friends. Mm-hmm. Um and I and you know, the reason why I also bring this up is I kind of feel that way about my romantic relationships too because I think romantic relationships fall into this relationship hierarchy where it is like the number one prioritized it is like the the best relationship in your life etc um but I don't know I don't really believe in that because I want to be I want to get into a place in my life where my romantic partnership or partnerships um could have the same impact and same amount of love as my friendships because like if I think back to, you know, again, like my birthday party at the lake house, like those are all people I love, but like, look at who doesn't exist in that circle anymore, mm. you know? <laughs> and it's like, well, why did that happen? Is it because there was a certain expectation to be met? Like, why couldn't they be part of that yeah. grand, greater thing, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so all that to say is I think monogamy is a scam. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, I'm married. <laughs> <laughs> so I feel like we should talk about it. So, yeah. and like, I, we've talked about it, but I haven't heard much of how you feel about it. So mm-hmm. I'll, I'll give my, my two cents about it and then we can, you can kind of start on your side. Um, yeah. But basically like the question that I had been asking myself lately, especially like having all this time alone and, and um, really like being able to love myself in this space and only rely on myself for that amount of love. Like I tell myself like, why would I ever take this away from me? You know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, the question, biggest question is what's the difference between platonic and romantic love? And is that, is there even a difference to begin with? Mm. Are you asking me? Yeah. I, I also have an answer, but let's, okay. I'm going to go um... first. Oh, okay. I think 
I don't. Good question, because I don't know if I have that answer. <laughs> you know, I, I don't mean, think like, you have to. <laughs> I, yeah, I think what it is like the difference between obviously Mati, um, and my like other guy friends that I have platonic relationships with. Mm-hmm. I think with Mati, it's like I I can't see my life without him romantically, mm-hmm. like physically, mentally, with any part of my life. Mm-hmm. I trust him with my body. Mm-hmm. I trust him with like every part of my soul. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think that's like I think that's the difference, you know. Mm-hmm. Like he he gives me a sense of like sexiness and like, but yet still vulnerability <laughs> and like, you know, it's like it, it's <clears throat> sorry, excuse me. It's so it's different. It's a different vibe. <laughs> I like. <laughs> I don't know how to explain it but i feel like if you know you know <laughs> yeah do you feel like you reserve that type of intimacy only for him like you and would you be able to do that with other people if you wanted to because at that point like it's just a choice you know yeah um right now me speaking as a married woman yeah okay, <laughs> uh... i mean of course i know the answer <laughs> i mean no i cannot i I am so like traditionalist when it comes to marriage in in a sense where it's like um, I believe it's between two people, mm-hmm. you know, um, I think that, I mean, obviously like everyone's different, but when it comes to me as a person, right. what you only, want for yourself, yeah, what yeah. I want for myself, I can only share that type of intimacy with one person and I would expect my partner to feel the same, Yeah, you know? Mm-hmm. Okay. That makes a lot of sense to me. Mm-hmm. But let me like... <laughs> for, so for me, it's way different. And I yeah. think that maybe it is coming from being a queer person, but also mm-hmm. coming from like a, uh, a place where like a lot of relationships in my life don't necessarily seem healthy, healthy romantic mm-hmm. relationships at least. Mm-hmm. Um, because especially with immigrants, there's a certain level of like survival that has to happen and being in monogamous relationships, mm-hmm. especially there's so many things, you know, mm-hmm. as usual, it comes back to like capitalism. Like it's so much <laughs> yeah. easier to survive in America when you have a partner, you know, mm-hmm. two sources of income and you, um, you know, have Ooh, your yeah. government benefits and whatever. And it, it just like all rubs me the wrong way because it's like, well, why do you have to have this partner for life uh, and like choose this one person, even like sometimes it's like literally out of survival where like you're not choosing, you know, Mm. Um, and then be bound to them because the government or because of whatever contract you signed, you know, I think that like there's so many people that can come in and out of your life um, and should be free to do so. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, But anyway, the going back to the question of like, what's the difference between platonic and romantic is like, Mm. I see no difference. And, Mm -hmm. and again, that's for me where like, I don't reserve any, any like higher versions of intimacy or higher, um, like versions of myself for a singular person. Mm -hmm. Like I can say wholeheartedly that I love so many people like Mm -hmm. in my life, um, the way that I loved my past romantic partners, you know? Mm. Um, and some people would say that the difference is like sex, but that's not true either. Like living in this era where like we are allowed to be sexually liberated. Yeah. Um, so then the next question is, is it access? Maybe, probably. Maybe. Like being able, yeah, being able to have that person, like literally like at your, at your disposal. That makes it sound terrible. Yeah. (laughs) Um, 
And another reason why, like, I feel like that's not for me is because I don't want anybody to have that access, that much access to me. Like, mm. I want to give myself all of that and not have to, like, split that time between anybody else. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. Like, some mornings I wake up and I'm like, wow, it is really great to be single. <laughs> because I, like, look up, look over on my queen-size bed and nobody's there. I was like, wow, yeah. I don't have to plan what we're doing today. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, I don't have to plan what's for lunch. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Oh my God. Married life. That's what we do. (laughs) Yeah. Planning your next meal and like having to like ask permission and whatever. Um, But I think that like a big reason why this happened and like maybe you'll say you'll have more to say about this too is because Mm. um, I am really intense in my relationships. And Mm. like obviously in my last relationship like teetered on, not teetered on, it was pretty codependent. yeah. And I think that comes from this idea, like this romanticized idea that romantic relationships, you have to have somebody who does X, Y, Z for you to the point where like, you don't even have to do it for yourself. Mm-hmm. You know? Hmm. Yeah. I f- no, I feel that. I, I hear you. I think, I think this is why we're, it's good to have this conversation because we're total polar opposites when it comes to like how we view romantic relationships. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, like, for a long time, I, I, I just want to touch on, like, you know, the way you saw relationships and stuff, like, growing mm-hmm. up. I, too, grew up in a household where oh – my God, am I exposing my parents? Maybe. Um, <laughs> um, where it, it wasn't the happiest marriage, you know? It, mm-hmm. And so I remember for a long time, I was going to be – I was like, oh, I'm never, I'm never going to have, like, a happy marriage. Mm-hmm. But I think once I became an adult – and, like, I knew what I wanted and the expectations I wanted in a partner. And, like, knowing my boundaries and things like that, I think that's what made it easier for me to, like, know who I was meant to be with. Mm-hmm. Um, basically, I just, like, I just knew I just knew what I wanted. And I already was madly in love with Mati that, like, he fit all the boxes where I was, like, this is, this is who I want to be with for the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. You know, it's. Like he is, he is the love of my life, and I felt like I truly feel like he is my soulmate. Mm-hmm. Like it, it's like an like it, like you said, like I'm just as intense when I'm in like relationships, and like mm-hmm. I feel this intense pull with Mati. And the nice part is that he feels the same way with me. Yeah, you know, and like that's 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 when I knew for me that I was like, okay, this is who I want to be with for the rest of my life, and I'm so okay with not having to think about like, oh, what if I'm with him or what if I'm with him or, Mm -hmm. you know, like I was so confident in us that like I knew I didn't need that Mm -hmm. at all. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that like the, shoot, what was the word that you just used? Oh, intensity. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, I think that like I am very capable of being in a monogamous relationship and mm-hmm. needing that intensity and, and doing that with somebody else. Mm-hmm. But it's one of those things. It, it's like, oh, that's like really cool and whatever. <laughs> but I don't think I want that. Like been there, done mm-hmm. that. I know what it feels like to want to like die for someone or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Which is awesome because it, it takes a lot for somebody to feel that much for another person. Mm-hmm. Honestly, it's amazing. And some people never get there. Um, but it's kind of like, it's it's work. <laughs> oh, yeah. And it's, it's work. It's not easy. <laughs> it's not, yeah. And it's kind of work where it's like, oh, I'm going to put that work somewhere else. <laughs> yeah, and that's uh, okay. Yeah. You know, I feel like we all have that right. 
And yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, if you also change your mind on this viewing, it's like also okay too. Yeah. You know? I've been like in conversations with some therapists about it because they keep asking me because like they know that it's tough for me that I moved here. They're like, okay, like, do you have a partner? Do you have mm-hmm. people around? And I'm like, uh, I don't really believe in monogamy right now. They're like, oh, so you're non-monogamous. I was like, that sounds, it sounds weird when you say like yeah, that, but yeah. honestly, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like I just do not at this point in my life and maybe even like the rest of my life do not see myself having a singular partner. Yeah. And that's fine. Oh. Yeah. But we'll see. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I think, yeah, I think that it's also okay to, like, change your mind later. Yeah. I think, I think the other thing that bothers me about monogamy, too, and this is, like, mostly from, like, a cis-heteronormative standpoint, is that people pursue it because it's, it's a certain idea of success. Mm. Like, I think people are like, I will be successful when I have a wife, kids, you know, a single family mm-hmm. home, I'm making six figures, like it falls mm-hmm. into, you know, quote unquote, American dream. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, for me, as somebody who like, will never fall into those parameters, like, it's kind of like, well, let me just kind of like, be very critical of all expectations for me. Like, yeah. what does it look like for me as a queer person, especially a queer person of color, to have mm-hmm. success in my life and to live a happy and fulfilling life? Mm-hmm. Because I'll never have it in the way that other people want me to. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And <laughs> not to be... Well, I need to stop disclaiming. Yeah. The other thing that bothers me <laughs> about monogamy uh-huh. is the way... It, it is a lot of the sexism, especially in, in cis-hetero relationships oh, yeah. where uh-huh. I feel like a lot of my straight girlfriends were like, pursue that. And they'll pursue, oh, like, mm-hmm. you probably have more experience than I do in this, but it's like wanting to pursue almost like codependency. Mm. Like, I want a man who will blah, blah, blah for me. And it's like when they list out the 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 terms of service, I'm like, wait a minute, like yeah. that sounds like you want an unhealthy relationship. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, I think you kind of hit it on the nail. Yeah. Like I think I think that's a lot. Oh my gosh, is it like a lot of women? All not all women, but yeah. a lot of women do strive for that. And I mean, like, like at the end of the day, it's also their choice. Yeah, but it's also. But in, I think it's also rooted in sexism. Right, it's a system of oppression. For yeah. Sure. Like, remember that book I showed you? Which one? Uh, the that our friend was reading. It was fucking uh, why men love bitches, <laughs> and like I don't. I don't actually know what the book is about. Maybe it's not as, I mean, I heard it's not as sexist as I'm making Uh it out to be, but Uh still, it's like just the idea because some women will read that and be like, Mm -hmm. oh my God, what, like, in what ways can I change myself to be more desirable? And sorry, like, not to even say just women, like, everybody, like, Mm -hmm. everybody wants to be desired and are pursuing to be desired by other people so they can get into these monogamous relationships Mm -hmm. and then be stuck together forever. Wow. I mean, America. I don't even, not even America. The world, society. <laughs> yeah. I mean, do you, do you have any, like, questions about non-monogamy? <laughs> Since, like, it's so different from what you believe I mean, in? I feel or, like, like, do you pretty much get it? <laughs> I, no, I think I get it. Like, I under, like, when you were saying it, or the way you were describing it, I was like, oh, that makes a lot of sense. But you're like, um, I feel like I can 
give a lot to people and it doesn't need to be one person. Mm-hmm. Like, I totally understand that, you know? Like, so I, I don't think I have very many questions. I think at the end of the day, I still like for myself, mm-hmm. I think I only want to give it to one person. Yeah. But I, I definitely understand that other people may not feel that way and that mm-hmm. that's okay too. I, I like I totally understand why you think it's a scam too. Like honestly, yeah. like I, I get it. It's like it's going into capitalism. Also just like the way society has brought it up brought us up in terms of like cis heteronormative like relationships. It like mm-hmm. it all like it was like all making sense to me and light bulbs were hitting. Yeah. And I'm like I get it. But do I want it? I don't think so. <laughs> yeah. I think you, you could know? be in a monogamous relationship and still understand that like the way mm-hmm. that it's structured in our lives is a fucking mm-hmm. scam. Oh like, yeah. <laughs> even even the way that like our parents talk about it, like my my dad wants me to have like a girlfriend so bad. Like he gets so yeah. excited when I talk about having girlfriends here. Um, TBT to that time where we were FaceTiming and your mom thought I was your girlfriend oh. and she was so happy. Did you see her fucking face? <laughs> she was like, like in the back. <laughs> yeah, dude. What the fuck? That was so funny. I was like, I was, I think she thinks that we're dating. <laughs> I know. She always does. Meanwhile, I have like boys coming over and sleeping over on my bed and they don't think anything of it (laughs) oh my gosh that's so fucking funny (laughs) yeah um what are like maybe this is more so for me um Mm -hmm. because i feel like every relationship that i've had hasn't been the healthiest Mm -hmm. well i would say that my relationships are healthy but like they're they're healthy for the most (laughs) with some like little bumps yeah Yeah. But Uh again, it takes two, which Mm -hmm. is why, like, that's too exhausting for me because now it's, like, me putting expectations on another person and I hate having to do that. Right, right. Um, But I guess, like, you being in a long-term relationship and Mm -hmm. a successful relationship, monogamous relationship, Uh even even non-monogamous, like, what does it look like for you to have a a successful relationship like that? You know, like, what what does it take? Yeah, I think it takes a lot. What I have to do. (laughs) I think it takes a lot of, like, learning how to communicate I think I think that's everyone's like issue sometimes you know I feel like um yeah me and Mati we worked really really hard to like realize that in order for us to succeed is that these fight like we can have these fights and we can have fights as much as we need but they need to be productive mm-hmm. and they need to like have solutions or have compromises and like if we if as soon as like he tells me this is how he feels or I tell him how this this is how I feel like we might not agree with it but we need to respect it and acknowledge it and recognize it mm-hmm. and I think it, it really comes down to communication and just like what your needs are and what their mm-hmm. needs are and how you can find them um, how you can find it together yeah you know and I think it's trust too because it took me and Mattia a while to like trust each other um, even though we dated for 10 years, oh, trust me, those 10 years were not fucking easy. <laughs> and so it was a lot of like, you know, we had, it wasn't discrepancies. I wouldn't say discrepancies in our relationship, but there were times when we were dumb bitches, you know? <laughs> and um, there were times where our trust was fucked up and we had to rebuild that. And the thing is, it takes two. Like, we need to work on it together. I can't just expect him to get it 
you know, like I can't just expect him, just wait around and expect him to do it. Like I need to put him in the work. He needs to put in the work. And it's, it's all about like how much time and effort and energy are you willing to actually make it succeed together? Mm-hmm. And I think that's what a lot of people don't realize. It's like, I don't like this. It's like a lot of, a lot of my girlfriends, when I hear them talking about their issues, I'm like, okay, so they say, they tell me the fight and I'm like, okay, so what are you both doing about it? And they're like, why do I need to do anything about it? Mm-hmm. And it's like, yeah, at the end of the day, it's like, yes, this, your spouse may be the one causing the issues, but are you both like, you know, making steps together? in order to like find the solution or are you just waiting around and just like being like, this is what you have to do for me. Or like, it's, it's more so like a, well, you did this to me, so I don't need to like fucking like put in the way it's not, it doesn't work that way. Yeah. You know, it's like, at the end of the day, yeah, at the end of the day, you still have to like, in order to gain each other's trust, you have to respect one, one another, no matter how it might hurt your pride or it might hurt your like, you're, you're, or you might be too stubborn. It's like, how much are you trying to work together? Yeah. And I think that's what a lot of people don't realize. Yeah. I think that like the takeaway here, two takeaways, the idea of building mm-hmm. and like constantly building and rebuilding and whatever mm-hmm. together. Yes. Um, because sometimes it will fall apart and you have to rebuild it in a way with like good foundation and communication mm-hmm. or whatever. Um and I think the other thing that I'm hearing, too, and this applies to platonic relationships, is um, not romanticizing your partners. Mm-hmm. Like this idea that like you need to do this for me, yeah. or like yeah. as my husband, or as my best friend, you know, yeah. or as my chosen family. Like you need to do X, Y, Z. It's more so like communicating your own needs and mm-hmm. then listening to their needs and like meeting in the middle about it. Yes. Yeah. This is this is something that Matisse tells me all the time. I'm not a fucking mind reader. <laughs> you know? It's yeah. like, at the end of the day, like, yeah, you're right. I shouldn't be expecting that from you unless I, like, actually say it out loud, you know? Like, yeah. and I think I think that's what a lot of people miss. It's like, you stop putting these expectations because everyone is so different mm-hmm. that in order to succeed, you have to really, really put in the work together and yeah. state the, the things that you need together and, like, make sure that if you're going to be in a relationship, it's... It, it takes two to tango, yeah. you know, or like however many people you have, yeah. but it just, you have to put in the work. It's not easy at yeah. all. Yeah. And I think that it's even harder to want to have multiple partners because those relationships are just as valid, but you have to put in just as much with all of your partners, you know, mm-hmm. I don't know. I also feel like the people that I feel like, well, not saying that I have multiple romance. Oh, I might. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> It's just like, it's so much easier too when you don't have that expectation placed on a singular person. And like, Mm -hmm. I'm sure you know this too, where like your expectations for Mati are not like where he like might fall short. I wouldn't even say fall short, where he's unable to, um, like other friends and other people you love will like take that place, you know? And I think that's like the huge uh, misconception about romantic relationships where it's just like, well, I don't need my other friends because I have this one singular partner. Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That is the difference between a married person and a non-monogamous person. Yeah. It's so, it's honestly so different, but so it's the same. It's exactly the same. Like our our outlooks on it are exactly the same. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think like 
we should probably wrap it up right there. But something else that I want to talk about. No, go ahead. Like, uh, this will be another episode, but like dating somebody when you are struggling with your mental health. Or if they're struggling with their mental health, like that takes a lot oh, of Oh, I have a lot to say. Through. Yeah. Maybe we can even bring so... my husband in this. <laughs> oh my gosh, yeah. It's like, that's a lot of work. And also me being where I am now, like I would rather be doing that work on my own. Mm-hmm. Um, because like, I don't want to have to be considerate like during my depressive episode. <laughs> oh my God, period. Yeah. yeah, we can definitely talk about that. I feel like... I feel like we have a lot to say. <laughs> yeah, that'll be a good one. But yeah, I mean, just to, to wrap it up and, you know, a, a grounding per usual. Mm-hmm. Um, what are some things that you're you're doing right now that like that you keep coming back to? Like, what are your things that are bringing you happiness? Yeah. OK, so um, everybody knows who knows me is I'm a K-pop stan. But before that. I was a huge musical theater nerd. Mm. <laughs> and so I have just been listening to my like musical playlists again. And I mean, there's not a particular song that I'm like totally super into, but um, Bitch is an actress in the shower, okay? When the songs <laughs> come on, I am an actress. So yes. um, yeah, just like hearing, like listening to it again, it's just like, I like, it's fun. Yeah. <laughs> it's fun, especially when, like, a ballad comes on or, like, a fun song comes on, especially when I'm in the car by myself and, mm-hmm. like, I, I'll be acting. And so, I love that. Yeah. And so, yeah, um, that's been that's been something that I'm super going back to nowadays. Um, the Waitress soundtrack, the mm-hmm. Dear Evan Hansen soundtrack. Oh, yeah. Oh, did you see the trailer, the movie for the trailer? Are the yeah, the trailer for the movie. Okay, why didn't it? The only thing that bothers me about that is that they didn't put a trigger warning. Ah, oh, yeah, you're right. Like, why didn't they? I don't know. Good question. I mean, I'll still watch it, I guess. <laughs> I mean, same. I love the soundtrack. But yeah, yeah okay. How about you? Um, two major things. Um, the first thing is... I don't know which one do I want to say first. I've been really loving Doja Cat's new album. Oh my god, same. <laughs> it so is. Good. I am just listening to it on repeat. I forgive her for selling her feet pics to the races. Like literally, would have been the same. <laughs> I was on Omegle once too. Like mm-hmm. I like. I, honestly, like that whole mess is like none of my business, and it's not yeah. so bad that I like feel like the need to cancel her. Mm-hmm. But anyway. Stream Planet Hair on the Honestly, iTunes. it's so good. Yeah. And then the other thing that I've I've really loved doing lately, and I did this a lot with Kevin too, is just like sitting. We we like logged so many hours sitting on the balcony, like in silence. And I think that's like Ooh. when you could really tell that you you love somebody and they love you is like being able to like sit there and like because you know how like my my balcony faces out to the lake. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also have a rooftop where like on multiple occasions we would just be up there watching the sunset but the sun takes like fucking four hours to set (laughs) and like we just like sit there in silence and then there's always a moment of like okay are you ready to go it's like yeah Yeah. (laughs) and that's been really amazing too honestly sitting in silence with like a person you're so comfortable with is really nice yeah it's been really amazing so Oh, I also just want – I don't know why I thought this was funny to, like, bring up. When Albus is here, he just watched me and Mia perform K-pop dances. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and something that I thoroughly enjoy is just learning K-pop dances and performing it for my friends. Yeah, dude. Like, that's the other thing. 
that and you mentioned this before we started like that feels like home you know (laughs) I was like oh wow my friends are like everyone's so happy everyone's having fun I'm literally I don't have to do anything it's low commitment I know you're literally falling asleep as we're we're dancing (laughs) I didn't know but I'm like this feels so good (laughs) I don't need to be like I mean I was entertained but I don't you know it's literally just feeling so safe there so obviously yeah I love you and appreciate you (laughs) love you too but yeah, I mean, I guess that just wraps up our episode. I hope you all enjoyed it. I think this was really fun. And yeah, it got it sentimental. It got serious. It got to tea spilling a little bit. Oh my um, <laughs> <laughs> I think this, yeah, it was really good. I like I like this one. Yeah. So, oh my gosh, we haven't done this in so long that I don't even remember how to wrap up. I don't remember how to outro. If you have any comments, questions, suggestions, hit us up on Instagram. It's Broken Rice Pod. Also, you can email us at brokenricepod at gmail.com so we would love to hear from you i really want to start doing like listener letters so if anybody has questions or like ideas of what they want to hear about because some of our friends will like text me but then i just forget so so honestly like can you can y'all email us yeah or like maybe dm us and then i can pin it up top for us to both see i don't know we'll see but email us if you have any suggestions too because like yeah our friends do suggest a lot and then i just kind of forget i know i was like i think i think iris wanted us to talk about this <laughs> like it's yeah. just like yeah out of nowhere. okay but well yeah. thanks everyone for listening today we love right. you very much and like Elvis said feel free to reach out to us yep. bye, bye. <laughs>